amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Kendall. How are you today? I'm good. I'm crippled, but I'm good. Yeah, that was kind of a loaded question. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. As we're looking at the crutches leaning against the wall. I know. Yep. Going to the doctor for some Achilles tendon thing or whatever. I'm not a. I'm not a good medical patient. I, you know me. I get. Yeah. I get like real weepy. You're not a good patient. No. No. no I get real weepy. <laughs> Poor me. Uh, you know. <laughs> you texted me this morning. How are you? I'm like. How do you think I am? <laughs> I'm weepy. <laughs> yeah, so more power to all the people that deal with ongoing issues. Because I was thinking about them this morning. People that just um, have multiple sclerosis or a permanent um, handicap. I mean, this, these are that's a major emotional impact. Um, and everybody handles it differently. So I do want to I do want to say that I have a lot of compassion for, for that this morning. Because I'm going to be fine. And... Um, and uh, but some people deal with this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. moving moving right along because we're not gonna um, go that direction. Nope. The show. Nope. Not today. Um, I don't know what episode it is. We'll just say like episode like five hundred. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Cute little eyebrow twist when you said that. What was that about? <laughs> well, you know, it made it feel like that we've gotten somewhere. Was it the zing of excitement <laughs> running through your body? <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, we're closer to episode 50, but, you know, who's counting? (laughs) So, so what I want to talk about this morning before uh, we totally start misbehaving. (laughs) It's too late for that. We're already snickering in the background like little kids in the movie theater or in the back of the class. I know. Well, you know, this is... Hey, we come to this every time we come to this. We are where we are, and certain (laughs) moods can can take hold. Um, yeah, but let's, let's get down to business. All right. So what is happening, um, in the world of Lighthouse, which is our home base. And I guess we've gotten into the pattern of trying, trying to mention that because why not? Yeah, why not? It's, it's perfect opportunity, but we won't take up a lot of time. I just want to run through some highlights of things on the October calendar. Okay. And then something super exciting for the November calendar. Not that the October things aren't exciting, but so, um, we uh, have an ongoing drop-in adult meditation and mindfulness class happening on Thursday evenings, and that's taught by Mimi Sherman. Um, and all these things that I'm going to talk about uh, real briefly are, um, if they aren't already on the website, they will be shortly because we have a couple new things that are going to be happening which aren't published yet. Um, so you can sign up for our newsletter to receive information, um, and that is uh, there's a link on our website for that as well. So again, the ongoing drop-in mindfulness and meditation class for adults is on Thursday evenings at 6.30. Um, October 14, which is a Saturday night, we have our light language sound darshan, and this is um, led by me and Kendall. And that's in the evenings from 7 to 8.30. That's the second Saturday of every month. Um, October 21st, we have a vision board workshop with um, a life coach who offices here out of Lighthouse, and her name is Terry Carver. We also have a Soulful Business Powwow on October 25th. 
That's something Kendall's teaching. We have a drumming workshop on October 27th, led by Julie Alexander. And we have a love addiction workshop that Kendall's leading as well on October 29th. So we've got a really full calendar for October, lots of ways to interface um, with the various people that are here at officing and um, sharing their light and their vision out of Lighthouse. And then the November thing that we have coming up, we have an 11-11 Spiritual Bazaar. So that's on November 11th. That's a Saturday. And I know, Kendall, you want to speak specifically to this just real briefly, but we are going to have lots of exciting vendors, and it's a great opportunity. Yeah, on 11-11, on what we want to do is just have an all-day um, experience where you can come in and there's multiple offerings happening either on the 30-minute time schedule or on the hour. We have, I don't know, seven rooms in Lighthouse that, that what people will be functioning out of. So these are different healing facilitators, different um, spiritual teachers. Um, we plan to have vendors who are selling product that spiritual community is drawn to and loves on kind of the front porches if weather permits. We hope to have some bodywork sessions um, in our house. And it's just gonna be a way to taste, you know, the community that we've built around the podcast, the community that we have in Charlotte in general. Um, and, you know, it's a way to put your toe in for not a lot of money. That's really what it's about. So, um, and I wanna go back to October because one thing we left off mm -hmm. is the um, crystal workshop with Lisa. Oh yeah, that's on the twenty first. Yes, right? the well, 21st maybe. Morning? I think we're hashing that data. Okay. There's going to be an amazing crystal workshop that will will be popping up on the website that'll just really take you into kind of a lot of ancient wisdom about um, about this because I know our community is very interested in that right now. And who knows? You know, we're always adding stuff to the calendar, so um, that's just what we've got going right now. So, is that it? Is mm -hmm. that that's it? Okay. So what we um, are up to today is we're beginning a month of really serving the men. Spiritual Charlotte has always had the mission of um, creating community, connection, and conversation. And it's important to us that we um, really relieve people of isolation. Because a lot of times when you're on a spiritual journey or a journey of healing, it can be very hard to have community and to feel safe um, to speak about these things that you're working through or that you're trying to learn about. Um, sometimes it's especially hard if you are surrounded by conservative uh, viewpoints or you're living in the South. For some people, this is hard. And so uh, we're trying to open up that door and, and create, um, like I said, a safe sp space for that. So. What we're really excited about is including the men in this conversation in October because, Debbie, I feel like the men um, just don't quite have the same support or know-how to uh, or are sometimes left out of this dialogue. Do you agree? I totally agree. I totally agree. I, well, between how they're raised, between pride factors, between lack of um, friendships and support groups, um, and feeling like they have to be the leaders and the ones in charge and the ones who know what is supposed to be happening and when and how it's supposed to happen to then allow themselves to be vulnerable and say, I don't know what to do or I'm confused or I'm unhappy. Um, if they're the anchor of the family unit, that's a really super vulnerable place to be in. I think you bring up a really good point because I think that this journey, this journey of, uh, of transformation, of moving into higher consciousness, of doing healing work, 
is a more vulnerable journey. It kind of takes us from ego self into heart self. And I think men in particular are, are not really yet taught that it's okay to be in heart self. Mm -hmm. um, so we are really excited about some of the people that will be, all the people that will be on the show um, this month. And we're starting out with somebody who um, Debbie met at a networking event, mm -hmm. um, who is a clinical psychologist in our community. Um, his name is Damon Silas, and Damon uh, has been in practice for 15 years. He's an author of a book that we're going to talk about today, and um, he's just, I think, becoming a part of the Lighthouse extended family. And, and it's all happened pretty quickly, and that just goes to show you how um, resonance works. It works really fast. <laughs> so um, what I want to do, Debbie, how did you meet Damon? I was at a networking event with the South Iredale Healthcare Forum, which was the first time I had gone to that meeting as well. And um, we everybody gets, you know, there are 30 seconds around the room to take turn and, you know, face the group and just share who you are and what you do. And I stood up, turned around to face the group because I was sitting in the front. And as soon as I said what I did and Lighthouse Spiritual Center, where I was functioning out of, working out of, Damon was like right in the row behind me. And his eyes lit up, eyebrows lit up, eyes got big, a smile on his face. And I was like, oh, there's a kindred spirit in the room. <laughs> right? So it, um, it just really excited me. And so then I was able to share. And then we spent, I don't know, 20 minutes at the end of the networking mm -hmm. event just chattering about all kinds of stuff there was this instantaneous connection i thought you were going to say that he fell out of his chair he started <laughs> kicking his legs up in the air thank god, thank god. but it, it didn't but seem. that was the look on his face though that was <laughs> that was i saw the little the snoopy dance going on inside him <laughs> So, welcome to the show, uh, Damon. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. We're excited and to honored. have you. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's been a real pleasure for you to be in, you know, doing different things in our community. And we see you a lot on Sundays. And But now we get to turn the tables and learn about you and your work and kind of go straight to um, the source about this conversation. So, mm. so welcome to the show. Um I want to start with a kind of a question about how you um, came into this journey of being um, this mental health professional. And can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. Um, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you to Debbie and mm -hmm. you, Kendall. Um, a, for inviting me into this space, but B, already allowing me to shed various types of tears before even getting on the mic. So, <laughs> tears of laughter, tears of gratitude. Um, so I just it's just such a, a amazing and comforting space to be here. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, my journey. So I didn't know what I wanted to do <laughs> when I was in undergrad honestly um what happened just before i went off to undergrad is um it was my senior year in high school and uh december of 1992 i just dated myself and um my sister who to whom i was very close um her and i you know she, we were three years apart 
and um, just grew up dancing and being silly together and cracking each other up and playing instruments together. And um, she moved off to New York City a couple of years before and, uh, you know, missed her tremendously at that point. But I knew like at some point we'd be reunited. Maybe I'd go to New York. Maybe she'd come back home. And uh, in December 1992, uh, come to find out she was she was murdered. It was her and her roommate. And uh, there were two perpetrators, uh, both of whom were caught almost immediately after this happened. And um, at that point, I was just lost. It was a very dark space and dark time for me. Um, it was supposed to be this this happy, joyous time. I was, you know, about to finish high school. I already knew. Uh, well, I kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go to college, um, and that all just kind of fell and it just led me into this very dark space. So fast forward, I ended up going to Howard University in Washington, D.C. Uh, because they offered me the most money, which was a full ride. <laughs> and so I was like, yes, I'm taking it. Um, but when I got there, I realized I was, again, I was just lost and I didn't know what to do with or for myself. Um, here I was in this new city, in this kind of scary city. It was right in the early 90s, so there was a lot of crime. A lot. Of, they were just kind of getting over the whole crack epidemic at that time. My mom and dad were both terrified to even let me go because they already lost a daughter a couple of months before, and now they had to let me go. You know, So I know that was very difficult for them. But um, they did, thankfully. They, they allowed me to just kind of spread my wings and learn and grow. And so I got there and I realized I am just, I'm not operating at full throttle. And um, they actually had a, a counseling center on campus. So I said, I need to go. I need to go talk to somebody. Um, I had never, I, I had only been through therapy once uh, through family therapy. Uh, several years back, my parents were going through some stuff. And so we as a family unit went maybe once or twice and I remember how it made me feel, um, even if I didn't say much during those two sessions, just to know like how it felt after we left. It was almost like this weight was lifted off of all of our shoulders. Um, as a matter of fact, I think we were able to go to like Burger King afterwards. And that was like an anomaly. You know, <laughs> that was a treat. We never got to go out to eat, you know, <laughs> let alone fast food like that. So um so I was like, I remember that felt good. So let me go to my own therapy. And I did. And um, I, I knew that it was not only so helpful, but my therapist at the time, she said, well, why don't you try group therapy? And I said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> um, I don't want to, you know, share my story with everybody else. And she said, well, it's a grief group. And if you go, you know, you might find some comfort in knowing that other people may be going through something very similar to to you. So I said, fine, I'll go just to kind of appease you, but to also see like I've never I've never been one that's averse to new experiences. Mm -hmm. So I, I went and I'm so thankful that I did just because, again, it did open up my eyes to mm -hmm. there are other people around me who are suffering and who are struggling. Um, gosh, I don't know why. I'm, <laughs> I'm already about to cry. <laughs> yeah, you might cry. <laughs> Look, I don't know uh, where the tissues are. Just wipe your eyes on the table. Yeah, well, <laughs> I got a sleeve. I'm good. <laughs> um, you know, but seeing other people, it just changed my perspective. Like, you know, one of those, it could always be worse. 
and that there is kinship and community. And uh, so that to me was was extremely helpful. So my thought process at that point was, even though I still hadn't picked a major, I knew that I wanted to help people who were going through or could potentially go through something like myself and my family were going through, which is this devastating, unexpected, sudden loss. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I could be on the other side of um, helping somebody through those difficult times, that's what I wanted to do. The other side of that was I actually wanted to help people before they got to even thinking about participating in such an act that those two perpetrators had done. Mm. Um, so I eventually I chose my major of psychology when I was uh, forced to. And um, but I started working with a lot of juvenile delinquents and, and those who are in the system who are adjudicated. Um, I'm originally from the Massachusetts area, so there's a um, state park in Plymouth there um, where they had kids, I think about 16 kids who were offenders. And so every summer I would go home and work with them um, just to give them a space to talk, you know, because there was a reason why those two guys who did what they did to my sister did it. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, But there's something that led them to that set of decisions and choices Um, and if I could again give people at least a space to talk about whatever pain and struggle that they're carrying to let it go so that they don't negatively impact those around them then that was kind of my my hope and my goal Whoa. Mm -hmm. So let's take a minute with that because that's like needs a breath right (laughs) it really does um the first question that's coming to my mind is what kind of inner drive do you have to have either in the way of compassion or, or rage or a mixture of stuff to not only want to help yourself and people that come to that point of trauma and loss, but to help those who are headed towards a place of, destroying other people's lives what has did compassion and rate what what was the element that got you to that point of helping Mm. those people on on that side of the fence and maybe there's not even a real fence there all right that's it i think that's exactly it sometimes we build fences um and it separates us from them when in reality we're all going through very similar emotions And that's kind of one of the points that I make in my book is that although my losses may look different on the surface, we all experience the same human emotions. So to embrace that as our oneness, um, looking at these people as, you know, they're just somebody who made a dumb decision, um, but I, I still have love and compassion for them. Um, You know, again, for me, I I guess I've always been an empath in a lot of ways. Um, I've always just wanted to help people, had always been that person who people would call and talk to. Uh, And so that's, again, something else that kind of led me into psychology because, you know, that was, it was almost by nature I was led into this, this field. Um, My mom's a nurse and so (laughs) she's in the helping field and, Um, I think I learned a lot from her about compassion as well. So 
getting to that space of we're not as different as we think we are and everybody has a voice and everybody has a story you know my story is no different or more unique than anybody else's it's just that i've figured out what to do with it um rather than kind of become stuck and not saying that there aren't periods where i was stuck because i I truly was Mm -hmm. but I, i knew i had to do something not only for myself but for kind of the greater good what are you thinking about as as Damon is talking about this? <clears throat> oh, I'm hearing the courage to reach out and find tools. Um, and uh, just lost it. Well, you know, I think that that let me let me bring this up because it really ties into what you're saying. Um, you know, it's like the situation we're looking at in Las Vegas right now with the shooter. Mm-hmm. And I typically experience, I think as many people do, a secondary trauma when you're watching the news. I mean, you just yep. can't, you just, you, the question is what is happening to us? Mm-hmm. You know, you're asking these big mm-hmm. questions about humanity and you're taking on the impossibility of this level of of violence and senseless violence and and I always, always for me, the answer ends up being that in order to act out these types of things, I mean, this is a soul sickness, right? This mm-hmm. is like a soul sickness that has gone through the mental health path, the heart, down into the soul. And, and mm. so I understand that you would inquire about the perpetrator and what can we do before somebody gets to that point? Because there has to be a soul sickness that is being ignored or not addressed mm-hmm. long before that moment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. No, thank you for bringing that up. That's interesting because I was thinking about that on the way here, honestly, because um, I was talking earlier we, uh, about they say that there were no signs there. When a person purchases many guns, that's a sign. That's a sign that they're going to do something with that. You know, so we tend to ignore certain signs and then look at other signs as though they're, some are more important than others. Um, but they're all, they're all there. And we just, somehow we overlook. And I think that, I'll, I can bring that to a societal or cultural context in that we, um, b- because we tend to worship guns, mm-hmm. um, it's almost looked at as, well, it's not a weakness or it's not a sign of, you know, this person needs help. It's just this person uh, adhering to their amendment rights, you know, rather than, no, this person is crying out for help. Uh, there's a reason. So um, I think that's something that we need to look at as a whole, as a country, as a society. Um but yeah, that person, like you said, there was something going on in his soul. Um, let me just say, and I, if you don't mind, I'm going to talk a little bit about my journey that I that I kind of outline in my book as well, because I think that's been a huge part of my healing process. Um, it's not just a one and done thing. So it's not that I just went to therapy once, um, individual or group. It's not that. It's I went when I was in grad school as well. I went four times a week um, to to analysis. So that was, you know, the stereotypical when you think of therapy, you're laying on the couch and the analyst is sitting behind you just jotting down notes as you can hear him jotting down notes. And you're like, what is he, 
what is he thinking about me? Is he thinking I'm crazy? And oh, well, well, I'm supposed to say everything that's on my mind. So I say, are you thinking I'm crazy right now? <laughs> but, you know, so going through that three years, four days a week, um, intense, you know, so it wasn't just a one and done thing. Fast forward to um, getting to the space where I didn't realize that this person was impacting my life. Um, Kevin is his name. Kevin was the the main perpetrator who killed both my sister and her roommate. The second guy, he actually left um, in between when my uh, the roommate was killed first and my sister was out walking her dog. And so he left in between. So he didn't stop my sister from going in, essentially. Um, he ended up passing away in jail from a sickness, from a disease. Uh, but Kevin was still alive. And I was thinking, why is it that he's the one still alive? Like, why couldn't he have died? Well, there's a reason. Because I was meant to meet him. So... Um, I went to a, a seminar and they were talking about just writing down a list of things unsaid and undone and, uh, you know, people that you have things that need to be said to, but you just haven't done it. And I didn't realize the anger. You had mentioned rage and anger. Um, I didn't even realize I had anger. I kind of brushed it aside or acted like, well, I'm good. I, I don't have that, but I did. And so when I jotted down his name, I was like, I have to do something. Called my mom the next morning immediately and was like, Mom, I want to go meet him. Like, and she was like, oh, my goodness. I thought you and your brother would think I was crazy. I've been wanting to do this for a couple of years now, um, but didn't know how you would receive it. And so I was like, well, let's get the ball rolling. So um, my mom and I ended up meeting him. And to me... When you talk about this soul, um, the soul injury, like when we went to meet him, it was so, I mean, sitting as close to you two as, you know, um, we were, um, he came in and he was in his jumpsuit and he was soft. Like I was terrified, but I didn't know what I would say, but I was also relaxed. Like it was really weird. It was like this combination of being worried about what to say, but also knowing that I was exactly in the right place. And um, when he sat down, he was barely audible. I could barely hear him and hear him. Like in my mind, he was this monster, mm -hmm. right? Yet in front of me was like this trembling young spirit who was stuck at that age where all of that stuff happened. And by the end of that conversation, it, he was like just a completely, we all were. Like there was so much weight just lifted off of our shoulders um, and he said, you know, so many people have said I should forgive myself and they forgive me. And he said, but it would mean nothing until I heard from you guys. And <laughs> that yeah. was it. Yeah. That's major. I mean, that's like, let me, let me pause to say that your book is called From Morning to Night. Mm-hmm. Morning as in grieving. M-O-U-R. Yep. Night. K-N-I-G-H-T. Yeah. And, you know, I find it so impactful that um, another thing that was happening during this very up and down and long healing process that everybody in your family was going through that, that still go through, I'm sure, that once you reached out to your mother and spoke your truth, it gave your mother a permission 
which mm. is so much of mm. why we have these conversations. Because yeah. if you can speak this truth out in all of its messiness, then someone else gets a permission. And now yeah. the whole family gets to go through yet another level of healing, right? So what happens then after you you guys meet Kevin? Because at what point, what year is this? Around? That was 2015... 2015. Okay. When and the and the murder happened what year? 92. Okay. So it was years later. Wow. Right. So it was a process. So how does what happens now at 2015 having having met this man for your family and for you? Well, to me that was closure. You know, I could literally finish my book, <laughs> you know, and that was part of my book is just writing about what that was like. Um, there was nothing left at that point. So I could just kind of literally close that chapter and I met with a medium and um, he said he saw my sister closing a book as if you're closing a chapter. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, that's it, you know, where um, there was nothing left to do with that part of my life that no longer held the same weight as it may have even unbeknownst to me you know subconsciously i was carrying around this weight um but it no longer had it mm. so it just opened up a space for where i am now um which is you know I, uh, the the next part of my spiritual journey let's talk about that because sure <laughs> <laughs> Because that, um, that, you know, that is not easily um, attained. No important journey happens uh, with, with, uh, without the difficulty and without the, 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 the rough road. And the... So now you live in a place of obviously service um, that is totally has everything to do with what happened there. Mm -hmm. And so... Mm -hmm. What do you see as as the biggest stigmas that that people have around um, the mental health journey, especially maybe men? Mm -hmm. What do you think the, the the biggest stigmas are there? One of the biggest things is that people are worried that they're going to be seen as crazy um, or be looked at as weak. You know, that's um, I had been working on a military base from 2013 to 16. I mean, even prior to that, I was working in the military system from 2009 on. And so I would come across a lot of, um, you know, I was working with various branches, but um, a lot of service members who they would usually come to me after they had lost everything or when they were like on the verge or brink of losing everything, their families, their career, whatever it may be. And for them, it was, well, A, our stuff goes into a system and I don't want people to think that I'm weak for reaching out or it could prevent me from, you know, attaining certain career goals in the future that I really want to ascribe to or, you know, work towards. Um, but my thing is, you know, what I would try to, you know, hone in on for them is it's actually a strength to reach out and it's it's hard to help somebody understand that when in our society the we're given the exact opposite mm -hmm. <laughs> you know the exact opposite ideas of what it means to be strong um which is to I, 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do it all on your own and don't talk to anybody. You got this. Um, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. Like you said, connection allows people to just open up. You know, they don't even have to come in and talk about their feelings, but just have a conversation. And you don't know what's going to happen from that conversation. And nine times out of 10, what I found is um, people would continue to come, you know, and just have those conversations. It's not that where I'm sitting there saying, well, tell me how you feel about that. And what does that feel like? Mm -hmm. And now, sometimes I may, because <laughs> that's, mm -hmm. that is important. Mm -hmm. We have, we all have a normal range of human emotions, but when you're so used to bottling it up and pushing it down, um, it has nowhere else to go. It's, it's that energy has to come out somehow. Mm -hmm. And usually it comes out in a negative way, especially for men. We usually act out or, you know, a lot of guys will, again, bottle it up. Um, but to help them realize and understand um, it's OK. You're not crazy. Like that's not even a. A diagnosis <laughs> you, know? you don't like, have that right the it's psychology. not on the dsm-5 like <laughs> you're crazy Stamp. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um you know i love common um one of my favorite rap artists and uh just he's a beautiful soul and and all the work that he's been doing actually for inmates as well um, but in a song years ago, he said, I guess knowing I'm weak is when I'm really being strong. And that to me, like always stood out as just getting to that point of admitting I need help is a sign of strength. So, you know, I keep hearing the word isolation. And we've talked, Kendall, you and I many times about how isolation is a killer. So isolation from community, but I'm also seeing isolation from your own truth. Isolation from what you're really feeling. Isolation from your God center. Isolation from authenticity. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Well, like a double whammy. Yeah, no, it is. And that's why, you know, one of the things I, I mentioned in my book is I, I had isolated myself because I didn't want to be true to myself and acknowledge my own truth, mm -hmm. right, in, in several ways. Uh, but once I was able to do that, it was like, okay, now, now I can be more open and more available for people. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we do, it's, it's hard for people to admit what's going on with them because they're worried that they're going to be judged, mm -hmm. that they're going to be shunned, mm -hmm. that they're going to be pushed away, mm -hmm. um, maybe alienated from their family. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, you know, and for a lot of people it's, that's, that is a truth. You know, that they may be alienated from their families if they speak their truth. Um, but at some point, doing the introspective work and saying what's more important, you know, being true to myself, um, you know, or uh, losing maybe what it seems like my family. But in the in the process, you could also gain family. Um, what I've seen in people's mm -hmm. process, they may not... Um, you know, have their immediate family around, but they gain a spiritual family mm -hmm. or an, another mm -hmm. type of family mm -hmm. that um, does mm -hmm. just as much mm -hmm. and is just as supportive, if not more, mm -hmm. than their family of origin. Yeah. Oh, man. And, you know, I think about this, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So as an, as an individual, I think especially as a male, if you have a family who taught, you need to get over it, you need to suck it up, and you're rewarded for that. 
then that is the way of being that you use in the world. And then you also will create friends in your life who basically that's how they relate as well because yeah. everything's going to yeah. kind of match because this is what you know this is the tree you know you're a green apple they're a green apple everybody's mm. a green apple mm -hmm. and and so then when you go to your peers to ask for advice about and tell them look i'm struggling this is what i'm going through i notice that men often focus on changing behavior Dude, you just got to stop drinking. Dude, you just got to stop hanging out with that girl. Dude, you just need to go and get and, and, and get a different job. Get out of that business. And and I'm always thinking, wait a minute, you guys. You've missed, you've missed all the stuff underneath that that has to be changed in order for that move to make sense. Mm. Do you notice that? Mm. <laughs> you just hit the nail on the head yeah. with that. I mean, and I had never even thought about that, but it is a very behaviorally centered approach. Mm -hmm. Like all you have to do is break up with that person or, you know, change your job or whatever it is and things will be better. And that's not how it works mm -mm. because there has to be some introspective work, mm -hmm. you know, because you're the common denominator. Mm -hmm. So you can change everything else around you, but you still remain as that common denominator. Right. So what can you change within yourself mm -hmm. that's going on, that's creating? You know, I think we energetically attract certain things in our lives, wherever we are in that point mm -hmm. in our lives. Um, and so what are you doing to attract those things in your life as well? Right. And then if you don't want them in your life, it's not just cutting that person out, but it's really looking at yourself and saying, what did I do and what's going on with me that I attracted that in my life? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, for men, it's hard because it is, it's all surface. Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're pretty much defined by what we own, what we possess, you know, our cars, our guns, our <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. it is, like mm -hmm. our houses and um, rather than who we are at our core. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what we, we stray away from. And um, unfortunately, people just lose, lose contact with that. Yeah, you know, and I, I feel that um, church settings provided a base for young men to learn that, to learn deeper understandings of who they are as men in the community, and how they can serve, and how how to be, um, how to be how to express maybe more deeply or how to um, value themselves in community differently and i from personal experience uh, you know some of the men in my life haven't had that anchor haven't had that base haven't had strong male role models in the family to follow and so they're mm -hmm. kind of left flapping mm -hmm. out in the wind mm -hmm. trying to figure out well, who am i supposed to be as a man mm -hmm. how who how, how do I define who I am as a father, as a spouse, as a as a son? If I don't mm -hmm. if I don't have any role models, I don't have anyone who is that I'm interfacing with on a regular basis. Um, and so there's that disconnect. Well, and I think also mm -hmm. there's the whole other other problem of in in the past and in, in our, our culture yes maybe there was churches where everybody could get that from and then maybe family but then 
as you see, well, that system is actually really corrupt. And I see that man standing up in front of the church, but I know he's cheating on his mm -hmm. wife mm -hmm. and he's embezzling mm -hmm. money and he's an abuser and he's an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Well, then that whole system is completely torn down. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. So, so now I'm going to go over here and sometimes it can be a swinging to extremes. That all that is so hypocritical that now I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna hang out with these people. They may be riffraff, they may be on drugs, they may be drinking, but at least they're honest. At least they mm -hmm. let all the stuff hang out. Mm -hmm. It's actually more comfortable for me over here. Yeah. And you know, and on top of that, the other thing I think about with men is that is that they if they're if they if they if they're in an environment where everybody is operating off of just change the behavior just change the behavior um and they go okay all right i'm gonna get myself together i'm gonna cut down on my drinking or i'm going which is just a self-medicating i'm gonna mm -hmm. cut down on my mm -hmm. drinking i'm gonna okay i'm going to start working out and i'm gonna get these three things on par and okay i'm feeling better now mm -hmm. i'm feeling a little bit better now well, then the crisis is over. And when the crisis is over, we're not really going to revisit this conversation until I'm back again. Right. I slowly walk back into the where I'm at the end of my rope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't realize that, like you said, the time to do it is before you get there. Mm -hmm. And not, you got to wake up on a Tuesday and be like, you know what? I feel pretty good today, but I still need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say mm -hmm. about that? Um, that's... Again, you're right on point. I think sometimes we feel like once the storm is passed, we're okay. Mm -hmm. um, but there's still damage that's been left in the face of the storm, mm -hmm. you know. And, and um, going back to repair that damage. Um, that's a really good visual analogy right there. Yeah. And like I, the hurricane comes I through. I was going to say. The storm's gone, but look at the devastation around you. But there's plenty of and And we tend to forget. Like, okay, well, the storm's gone. But there's so much damage left in its wake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we get complacent a lot of times. And men, like you said, that they get to the place where I'm good. I'm good now. Like I, I went to therapy a couple times. And what I found is people don't go to therapy for long periods of time. Um, whereas back in the day, you know, people would go for years or at least months. <laughs> mm -hmm. And now it's like if I'm not healed in eight sessions, then I don't know if this is worth my time. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's part of my job is to let them understand, like, you still have work. There are some deep wounds there. A lot of men have been have been wounded, whether it's by, you know, you can go by the spiritually they've been wounded or just by their parenting, um, you know, or by their parents. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of them, like you said, they if they don't have a father who's a good role model, um, they might look elsewhere for that role model and and what happens is people look to sports stars, they look to athletes, they look to, you know, musicians, anybody who's in the public eye mm -hmm. as their model of what it means to be a man mm -hmm. when um, we only see them in their kind of glory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we don't get to see their dark periods and we don't get to see what happens to them behind the scenes. So we end up forming this false sense of what it means to be a man. Um, but again, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting, I'm going all over the well, place. Well, that's how, that's how this show goes. <laughs> I mean, actually, it's the beauty of this show because it is all over the place. And, there, right. you know, and it's an organic conversation that has to be allowed to be that way because 
it has all these side roads, mm. you know, so. Yeah, and, and actually, and, and thank you for, you don't even know what you said that brought this back to me, but <laughs> but thank you for saying what you were just saying, because um, what Debbie said earlier was, you know, in talking about that um, relationship in the church or with God, um, there's this uh, focus on sin versus sincerity. And I think... You know, when you're when you go to a church and the focus is on what what you're doing to sin all the time or you see what other people are doing and sinning Mm -hmm. versus looking at our own sincerity and like our own truths, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I grew up in a Catholic family. And so it was kind of this model of you sin, you go to confession, you absolve your sins and then you go back in another six months Um but we're all human, you know, and, and we're, we do stuff and we, we have these thoughts and like all these things are normal. And, but I don't know. I, um, I just, I think for a lot of men, like we, we kind of get lost. And what, what I find now is with the older men who come into my practice, um, they have this strong faith base, but they again, they've kind of lost everything. Mm-hmm. So they're really trying to reconcile, well, I have this belief and this faith in God, but everything that's happened up to this point, it, it's led to this. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? So really getting to that point of reconciliation mm-hmm. um, and what that what those difficult times even mean for them. Mm-hmm. I think and I think men can get real angry, can get real angry at God and can just be like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm over that. I, I'm not. I'm not going that route anymore. We've had people in the spiritual community talk about that. I just got angry at God, and we disconnected at that point. Um, I you talked about sin versus sincerity. I mean, I think another thing that happens with with that is that you mentioned um, in that part of the conversation that they think they're not normal. I think men think that they're not normal, that what they're going through is not normal. Mm. And sincerity normalizes. Sincerity normalizes. Guess what? There's not one stamp for you. There's not one box for you. You're you're a human being. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have friends who who will say to me, uh, male uh, male friends, um I've got a side to me. I've got a side to me, Kendall. If it, you don't even know like I'm not there's a side to me that is not a good person there's a side to me that is really dark you don't see it I don't show it to you and they're saying a hundred things in there Mm -hmm. they're saying something about their worth they're saying something about what they believe about themselves they're saying something about their goodness they're saying something about um, something in them that they think is broken and beyond repair Mm -hmm. and something that nobody else has I'm the only one with this kind of darkness and 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 they don't know that guess what i too have a really dark side in me that mm-hmm. i don't particularly want to talk to everybody about and that's tough to hear somebody say that right because mm-hmm. you want you want to say to them yeah but that doesn't make you less than all the rest of us it doesn't and it doesn't make you different than all the rest of us right but right. but most of the people, even their closest peers, they're not going to reveal. Oh yeah, let me tell you about mine. Exactly. <laughs> they're just going to try to help you fix, fix right, yours. Right, and act you know? like theirs doesn't exist. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. Which is that lack of sincerity. Which is when you talk about going to a group. I think that's the value of a group is that everybody's on an equal playing field. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that when you were 
doing uh, grip work. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, you know, we all kind of left, well, or even the preconceived notions that we had before coming in, whatever we came in with, that was kind of all left behind as soon as we all started talking. Because it was like, oh, yeah, I felt that. Oh, yeah, I can relate. It's like, you know, being in a classroom and, you know, nobody wants to ask the teacher that question. But the minute that that person raises their hand and says, I have a question, everybody else is like, I had that same question, right? (laughs) And this is the same in group. You know, once people start to open up, um, you know, that just opens up the floodgates. I've been to different places, whether it's like a military centered group uh, locally a couple of times here and um, all veterans. And as they start to open up and more more Vietnam veterans, some um, OIF, OEF um, from Afghanistan and Iraq. But as they start to open up, the other people in the group are like, oh, yeah, I feel that exact same way. And so it just helps to normalize like you're not alone. No matter how isolated you feel right now, somebody is going through. And it, again, it may not look on the surface like you know, what you're going through, but it's the same feeling of, gosh, I don't even know if I should be having these thoughts or feelings. And if, you know, if that's the case, go see a professional. Like it's, it's so easy now. If you can't go see somebody in person, you can call somebody, you can text Mm -hmm. their numbers and phone numbers, and um, you can see somebody online. I do online therapy with people all over the state. So you don't even, and they're like, you know, just hanging out in their houses. Um, so you can see somebody and and have it be okay. Um, yeah, I think men's groups, like the one thing I was thinking of was as you look online, even the, the prevalence of w- women's versus men's groups, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. There are women's groups everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, um, from, you know, uh, whatever just young women older women whatever mm-hmm. um women who are pregnant there are no men's groups mm-hmm. like i was talking to my coworker, but he and i were thinking about starting a men's group and that's kind of what what our desire is at this point because it's needed mm-hmm. you know yeah. <laughs> that's multiple Can I do it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a multiple ringer <laughs> for next time yeah i mean truly because you know, okay, and, and that leads me to a to a question. So, so I, I hear this sometimes too. Well, I went I went to counseling. I mm. my parents made me go to counseling when I was younger. The court made me go to counseling. Mm. I'm not doing that again. I didn't get anything out of that. They didn't help me at all. I just sit there. I would talk. They wouldn't give me anything to do. Tell me what some of the challenges are because I know you know, there's a, there's talk therapy where, you, where you, you're just kind of rehashing your story, but then you're like, mm. well, well, now what? And they, and I think the feeling is I went, I told my story, they, I, re- I wrote the $150 check and then they were like, see ya, good luck. How can a person see that there are types of therapy that actually will contribute to their transformation? Mm. Mm. That is such a good question because I get that all the time where, um, I have people who have seen multiple therapists prior to coming to me. Um, and so they say, you know, well, all I did is actually yesterday I talked to somebody and they said, well, I don't really just want to rehash my story. Um, and honestly, that's kind of how I found my way into the EFT and hypnosis world. Emotional freedom techniques or tapping um, is working on a military base and working with a lot of trauma 
I was particularly there for the PTSD and TBI initiative, post-traumatic stress. I always use these acronyms like people know and... I know. I'm like, (laughs) the DCM, the SCB. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. I was working with the military system for far too long because people would say stuff like I would know what they're talking about and I'd just, I'd have to go look it up. Like, what did they say? (laughs) Uh, But uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and, um, which actually just post-traumatic stress and uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury, because what was happening is a lot of people were coming back from these deployments with PTSD and and traumatic brain injury. And so I had to see at least 50% of my caseload, um, you know, people who met that criteria. So um, I was traditionally trained in Freudian psychoanalytic psychodynamic therapy, which was great. It's great as a foundation, as a base. But what I was realizing was it was actually re-traumatizing people, just having them retell their story and just having them say, you know, how did that feel? How did that? Well, it felt horrible. Like, what do you, how do you think it felt? Yeah, it was really shitty. Right. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I didn't I know if we could curse. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, right like what do you think um it actually reminds me of this one guy that came in he he had been deployed gosh i think at that point it was five or six deployments he was like a navy seal um special ops and um he came in and he was visibly traumatized and angry and upset and he was like i've already been through therapy i don't really want to be here but I know I need it. So, um, you know, let's just do some work. And he sat down and he was like, but if you have me draw some shit or breathe, I'm out. (laughs) And I was like, I got it. Duly noted. Like, and, and for me at that point, it was a, it was a reminder of a, the rapport and the relationship are much more important than any technique that I may have gained over time. But uh, the second thing is just again rehashing that story isn't um, isn't necessarily always helpful. So having a tool like EFT where you're tapping on different acupressure points, sending a calming signal to the brain so the person is is grounded in the moment, they're reminded of you know being here, um, you know, and and it's done in a safe way. You know, and we take elements of it, and it's you know we might do a part anyway, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, so that was helpful. And then with hypnosis, it's more getting to the subconscious. And some people think it's like kind of voodoo-y or, you know, hoo-hoo, whatever. Um, but you're hypnotizing yourself by your story every day. If you wake up every day and you say... Okay, hang on. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Hypnotizing yourself by your own story every day. That's huge. Yeah. Sorry, you were on a good train of thought, but no, I, had no. to, I had to like. <laughs> Thank you for stopping me. On yes, yeah. but tell us, tell us about. Yeah, we're never gonna forget that. We do. We we listen yeah. to the voices in our heads that tell us, you know, we're not good enough, we're not worthy enough, you know, we're always going to be scarred and marred by this trauma or you know this pain or our past, our relationships with our parents, whatever it is. When so you've already taught yourself and told yourself that there's no getting over it. But what if you can change that inner voice to something that's more empowering? Because right now you're disempowered. You've already taken away all your power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, and so if we can empower your inner voice, your inner story to something that's completely different, something that you've imagined, 
you've imagined like, man, it really would be nice if I could, you know, feel better about myself or get up out of the bed. Well, if you can imagine it, you can do it. You know, it's just about putting that message in your subconscious. And when you think about all the messages that come to us on a daily basis about, you know, manhood, masculinity, um, just psychology in general, those those messages are being brought in, right? Even with the news, like mm -hmm. there are subconscious and conscious messages being sent to us mm -hmm. all day, every day. Mm -hmm. um, so if what we want to do is just shift that conversation it reminds me of this video i watched of um a lady she was a mangala twin in uh, during the holocaust and um she was talking about just her power um years later she was able to <clears throat> excuse me forgive one of the nazi doctors um who you know did all sorts of stuff to her and her sister and she was like, I realized that I actually, I had been so disempowered all these years. And then I realized I can't change my story, but I could change the way I can, I relate to the story. And by empowering herself to say, I can forgive like that, that was it, you know? Um, so that's, yeah. yeah. A, are you following, are you, did you get that off my Facebook page? <laughs> Is that on your Facebook page? Yeah. Oh, snap. <laughs> I always think it's great when people start saying something. I'm like, oh, I posted that yesterday. <laughs> no, but truly, I mean, I think that people forget. Uh, we all forget. This isn't just men. We all forget that there's a brain pattern going on here, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's actually like we have created a pathway in the brain that is following this familiar thing. Familiar, yeah. And we forget there's like this biochemical, you know all the words for mm -hmm. it, that can be, mm -hmm. what are all the words? I mean, there is a brain thing that can be redone, done over, yeah. done yeah, to the side. Tell, tell us a yeah, little the, bit about that. Yeah, the neural that. pathways, the, yeah. the neurons that fire together, wire together, or, you know, wire together, fire together. Um, so the more that we go down that train of thought, the deeper that that um, that path is going to become. It becomes a ditch. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then we Your get stuck. Right. Ditch. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you need a tow truck to catch mm -hmm. out. And can I say, too, just about therapy, um, if you've been to therapy before, and it didn't work out or you didn't feel it was good or positive or helpful. Uh, it's about fit. Like mm -hmm. if you had a therapist who didn't fit for you or with you, that's cool. Like now find enough. There are so many of us out there. <laughs> like, Well, I think it's funny because people can put can put psychologists, counselors, helping people, uh, pastors, people that do work and service to humanity, they can put them on a pedestal and mm. think this person better have all the answers. It's going to save me. Yeah. They right. better have all the answers. Uh -huh. for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't do that. You know, you wouldn't do that with other services in your life. If, if they, if you go to a place, they give you a crappy oil change. You'll be like, I need to find a different place to get an oil change. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, yep. you'll shop around for everything, mm -hmm. but come, come to your psychologist or your pastor or somebody like that. If they don't have the answer, well, just, I'm just not doing that. I'm just, right, right, right. It's like a pair of jeans. Like, you're not going to walk around without jeans. Like, you'll find a new pair of jeans that fit better. I know. I mean, you may, but. Uh. Yeah, may. So, why do you think, um, I mean, first of all, I'm realizing we have to have, like, multiple shows. Multiple with shows. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's number one, but. I'm trying to think the questions that we have. Um, 
Just a couple quick ones. Does do you think that men need in treatment and whenever they go to see a, a psychologist, do you think their treatment needs to look different than treatment that we give to women? Are there anything different about that? I I mean I think everybody's treatment should be tailored to them. Okay. You know, um, and sometimes I'll ask people like, do you prefer to see a man or a woman? You know, some people have a preference. So I don't want them to feel like they have to come see me if, you know, they'd rather go see a woman, you know. And, and so, um, but I think it needs to be tailored to the individual. And men, we, again, we are given certain messages from day one. So having somebody in that room who understands some of those messages um, that you have been given and can really work with you and, and helping to change some of that, that way of thinking, doing, being, um, that's, that's ideal. You know? That makes sense. That does make sense. Do you, do you think that there is a lot more opportunity for men to, to understand the mind, body, spirit connection more than they do? Do you think mm. that that is a conversation that we really need to start educating um, men about, I feel like women more naturally go there. Yep. Yep. Cause even when I think about, um, for instance, I, I love to dance. I've been dancing all my life. Um, and that to me has always been part of my therapy and part of my therapeutic process. Um, but, and, and so I think men just kind of operate from the frontal lobe, from the front part of the brain. Like I got a plan, I got to, you know, execute and do, but and I, and I should say the left side of the brain as well. It's very logical. It's very analytical. Um, but they leave out the right side of the brain. And the right side of the brain encompasses the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it encompasses movement. It encompasses creativity. Um, and we tend to separate the, the top part, uh, you know, from the neck up. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we operate in a lot of therapies and a lot of... Um, you know, treatments Mm. rather than connecting the mind and the body. I don't know why we think that we can treat like these symptoms and, and, you know, by just focusing on the top half of our body, like to not incorporate the entire body and spirit, like you said, um, and for me too, I guess I'll just kind of bring it to my experience, but it's been a process, you know, and in incorporating that spirit or getting back in tune with that spiritual side. I think that that helps to make a, a more holistic person. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you take a pill and you focus on the the symptoms that are coming from the brain's patterns, but you, you're not focusing on what's happening in your body. Like when you feel anxious or angry, Men usually go to, to anger, you know, first or or depression, you know, that's which is kind of anger turned turned inward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, but really thinking about like where do you feel that in your body? We feel emotions in our bodies, and when I ask people that in session, like you know, where do you feel that anxiety or that anger or that sadness? They can identify it immediately. Sorry, that was loud right near the mic. But um, <laughs> they can identify where in, in their body that emotion lives. But they've never been asked that question. They're like, wow, that's weird. Or I ask them, what color is it? What size is it? What shape is it? And they'll be like, it's a blue, huge, like jagged, what Immediately. So they're in tune with it and didn't even realize they're in tune with it. Or when people come in... And I see them, 
like tapping on their fingers because they're so nervous. And I can tell them, well, you know, actually there's a way that you can tap, literally tap on your fingers to send a calming. So, so intuitively you knew, but somehow we just got disconnected from the mind body connection. Wow. Um, so then I can, you know, that's an end to say, well, look, there are ways to deal with that. Or if somebody's anxious, let's stand up and stretch, you know, or let's hold a power pose for a minute, you know, so. Oh my gosh, it's a whole nother show. Right <laughs> yeah, now. I know, sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't even so know what good. time it is, how oh, much time is we, going We abandon, oh. time doesn't exist when we do the show. Right. Because here's what's happening for me in that moment. And Debbie, you got to chime in on this because I know something's happening for you on this note. <laughs> this is what I'm thinking about. If if as, if as men are taught, okay, head up, mm-hmm. but then there's all this stuff going on below the, below the neck, okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about, well, what are men taught about that? They're taught about beer. And they're so numbing out, mm-hmm. beer, numbing out, numbing out through sports, numbing out through something where you can just completely disconnect. I think this is kind of an under the ne- under the next thing. Sex. Sex. Yes. Yep. So, so it's like, so automatically something's up with me. Something doesn't feel good. So I know from society that I've got beer, I've got drugs, I've got um, sex. Mm-hmm. What they don't, so then, so then addiction is like, there's a perfect environment for addiction because Mm. nobody's having a spiritual conversation. The mind, body, spirit connection Mm. does not exist. Mm. And possibly actually what's happening is instead of, instead of being in relationship in a positive way with mind, body, spirit, we're in a relationship in a numbing way with mind, body, spirit. Mm. We're in a relationship uh, that is toxic Mm. with, with the body, spirit part. And so nobody ever asked them the questions that you, you've said or said, hey, you know intuitively something's off, but the way you're dealing with it is actually making it worse, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what's happening. What are you thinking about it? Well, all of that. And that that so many people go that route, so then it becomes acceptable. It becomes the norm. The norm. Mm-hmm. So when other men see, or young boys growing up, and they see this is the pattern, this is what people my age group are doing, then they fall into that because mm. they're like, well, how else am I supposed to behave? This is what everybody's doing. Yeah, they, they don't have peer groups that are going, hey, dude, I know you don't feel that good and you're kind of restless. You want to get together and do some tapping? Hey, let's go meditate real quick. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and knock out some of it. Let's, right. let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and sit together and and be together uh, in spiritual community. Yeah. It, it's let's go out and let's go out and let's get laid. I'm gonna go get you drunk and laid. Right? Drunk and laid, right? <laughs> yeah. And so if nobody ever comes in your into your life to say look, there's a whole nother way to do this thing. Mm. And actually what it's going to lead to is a more rewarding connection with yourself in life because you're going to integrate sex into love and into and into um, wholeness. And you're going to mm. integrate um, what you put in your body with how that makes you feel and how it affects your mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, the patterns can be broken and you'll find that there's even a more nourishing way to do this whole thing. Mm. And to deal with what you're feeling in the body. Right. To even know what you're feeling in to the body. To know it, to acknowledge yeah. it, to identify it, to integrate it, yep. to express it. Oh, mm. I can't. Mm. 
Mm. I can't handle this right now. I know. <laughs> it's too bad. Look, I'm jotting down notes every. <laughs> I just love uh. that you said that. Um, wow. So that brings me to this question, which is, how does it, how do men know if they are struggling with? Because you've talked about trauma, you've talked about post-traumatic stress disorder. I think there's probably a lot of men walking around with that 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 have never heard those words and certainly wouldn't think that they're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. What are some Mm -hmm. of the signs that men Mm -hmm. can know, you know what, I think I'm dealing with that? Yeah, I um, first and foremost, disconnection or isolation. Like if they find themselves isolated from their peers or, you know, um, just removed from things that they once used to love. Um, then that's a telltale sign. Um, if they find that they're, um, you know, engaging in addictive behaviors more, you know, smoking, drinking, whatever it may be, um, and that's increased, then that's definitely a sign. Um, if they notice that, um, you know, they, if they go out, because a lot of times, again, if they're isolated, they, they probably won't, um, tend to go out as much, but, um, they may kind of position themselves so that they're aware of everything and everybody around them because um, there's just kind of always this fear, mm-hmm. um, you know, and this this need to protect themselves and their body versus just being able to be in the moment. Um, That's interesting. So, 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 yeah, what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that pings for me for some people that I know. Hmm. Like just sitting back and kind of being ready for anything, for anything, go, anything to go down, mm-hmm. being fully prepared in mm-hmm. case we got to go into mm-hmm. fight mode, flight mode. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Okay. What else? Um. So and then, like I don't know if I mentioned sleep, but if your your sleep is off, if your diet is off, if you're not exercising the way that you would love to, or maybe once did, um, those are all telltale signs as well. Um, so, you know, again, again, I think it just has to do with connection to others and connection to yourself. And if you find that you're numb to others and or yourself and what your own needs are, then that's generally when they need to come in or talk to somebody. Mm. Um, when does, where does medic, where does medication come into this conversation? Like prescribed medication? Because, um, I think again, there's a lot of men who probably should be, um, on an antidepressant that will help to normalize um, lack of certain hormones in the brain or things going on in the brain, and how, where does medication come in? Sure. So as a psychologist, um, I'll speak from my side, my point of view, because mm-hmm. a psychiatrist will be the one to prescribe medication. What I've seen um, in tandem with working with psychiatrists who work with uh, my patients. Um, a lot of times it's just a matter of kind of getting them back on even keel. So if they're really down in the dumps or really anxious or hypervigilant, then if we can get them back to an even keel, it doesn't have to be a life sentence that they're on these medications. I think sometimes people think therapy and or medication are a life sentence and a lot of people don't want that. Like I think that's the other fearful mm-hmm. thing that, that happens for people is, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to be in therapy for the rest of my life. You don't have to be. You don't have to be on medication for the rest of your life, but at least if we can get you on um, an even keel and get you back to you know a, a baseline where now we can do some work. 
Mm-hmm. And once we can do some work and I can teach you some, you know, and I say I or whatever mental health professional can teach you um, natural ways to heal. You know, are we looking at your diet? You know, th- there are things that you might be putting in your body that contribute to anxiety, including but not limited to <laughs> alcohol. Mm-hmm. You know, um, are you sleeping? You know, how can we change your sleep patterns? Maybe we can look at melatonin instead of trazodone. Um so looking at more natural ways of thinking, doing, being, again, um, it doesn't have to be a life sentence, but I think medication can be good for somebody who has gone so long being injured. Like if you let a, a sore just fester, it's you really need to treat it. But once it starts to, to heal up and that wound really starts to close up, well, then you can take that off and we can start dealing with all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving you that anchor, you know, and I think that's important in the therapy in the therapy room is giving people that anchor. Mm. Um, You've said that word a lot today, anchor, which I think, I? yeah, which I think is really symbolic because um, it's almost, what I get the picture of is almost like you got to establish a lifeboat. Mm. got to establish a lifeboat, get anchored on the lifeboat. So if you're so anxious that you can't even begin to talk about what's going on, then, okay, first we got to get on that lifeboat. Yep. And then you can get on the bigger ship. Mm-hmm. But it all has to be anchored in where you are at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. There's probably more to that anchor symbolism. but No, and I, I didn't even realize I had been saying it that much. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and as you were saying that, I was thinking about... Um, similarly to, you know, as we're mental health professionals, you can shop around. Shop around for your psychiatrist. You know, some psychiatrists are going to give you, give you, give you. You know, and I have people saying, I know this isn't right. Like, it, mm-hmm. I don't feel right on these medications. Mm-hmm. You are your biggest advocate. Mm-hmm. You know yourself. You know, even when you think you don't know yourself, you know yourself. Talk to, and if that psychiatrist isn't a good fit, go to somebody who will listen to you and say, okay, we'll take you off of that or start weaning you off so we can try something different. Um, but yeah. Mm, wow. So... The men that come to see you, Damon, the men that come to see you, what are some of the most common things that they are suffering with? Mm. Usually it's depression, anxiety. So any mood disorders, anxiety disorders, or trauma. Um, A lot of times as we dig a little bit deeper, most of them have some sort of trauma or some relationship issues with their fathers Mm -hmm. um, or parents in general. Um, And that ends up manifesting itself in their relationships now. Mm -hmm. Is it more common for those issues to be with fathers versus mothers or no? I've seen it a lot. Um, actually I was, I really wanted to do a study when I was working at the, uh, Navy base where, when I was up in the DC area, um, because what I was finding was a lot of people who were coming in with PTSD actually had kind of signs beforehand, um, where they had a negative relationship with their father or contentious relationship with their father. Um, I saw that a lot. Hmm. And so you know, I'm not I'm not going to say because I didn't do a study on it, but I definitely mm-hmm. witnessed that a lot more than not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, the correlations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's so many questions that I'm like, okay, that I need to save that for next show. This is another episode. <laughs> this is that. Right, right. But I think a couple things that I just want to cover before we close up today. One is, um, what are the some resources that we can give to men who are listening to this show? I mean, are there any books, any documentaries, any um, websites? Um, Obviously, uh, when we're talking about books, I'm going to go ahead and say you need to buy <laughs> From Morning to Night by Damon Silas. I didn't tell her to say that, no, y'all. No, no. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, um, but what are some other resources? Because I know what, what you know, we have this big conversation and, the, and then the, and it's like, okay, well, tell me what to do. Mm-hmm, That's all mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. I hear you. But what do I do now? Yep. So, I'm going to have to be better prepared next time. But no. Um, So, 1-800-273-TALK is like the crisis line. Um, I think that's 8255 or something. Um, But that is kind of a line that if people are in desperate need of talking to somebody, they're 24-7-365. If you need to text or call, somebody's always available. 1-800-273-TALK. the the document I, I keep coming back to this documentary I just saw a couple of weeks ago. It's called The Mask You Live In. Mm. And this is on Netflix. Y'all, it is a game changer in how we look at manhood, masculinity in our society, in our culture. Mm. They break down, you know, again from day one, the messages that we we get. You know, from the blue room that we're <laughs> that we have to the the balls that are you know engraved on our on our blankets from day one, the basketball and soccer and this you know um, you know and then the toy guns we get, mm-hmm. and then the 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 amount of energy and and um, I guess you know the importance we place on sports and some, then sports becomes equated with masculinity. Um, when it couldn't be farthest from the truth. You know, you have men who are just as masculine and manly um, who don't participate in any sports, um, but it's a continuum. And so it's a really, watching that was a paradigm shift for me. Um, And they, uh, so I, I would encourage anybody who's struggling to find out, you know, what they're dealing with as a man or even women to watch it, to understand the men in their lives, Mm -hmm. um, what they might be contending against. One of the things they say in that, excuse me, in that documentary towards the end is we need to get out of our heads and into our hearts. Mm -hmm. And I love that they said that. Like, it's just because that's absolutely what it's about is we need to get out of our heads and into our hearts. Just as you were saying earlier, Kendall, um, that's what leads to, you know, people ending up in jail or doing whatever they do. It's because they're doing all that they know at that moment. And if all they know is to hang out with a group of people who, you know, may not be doing the best, but they feel like it's a community, it's a family, we all want to be connected and we all want to belong. Mm-hmm. Um, but finding finding communities that you can belong and still do things that are, you know, positive. Mm-hmm. Um there are other websites, and, and I can't think of them offhand, but that, that deal with man, manhood and masculinity. Oh, gosh. Um, 
I'm gonna have to to get back on on those, and, and that's those and that's too. good because what we'll do is we'll put them in our show notes, okay, so people can see them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you and I were talking about before the show, you know, we it seems funny that somebody wouldn't think of I'm going through something, and we have the world at our disposal with the internet, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, have you looked up on YouTube about uh, about uh, you know? PTSD. Have you watched just random videos about that? Have you watched videos about um, addiction? Um, have you uh, looked up, you know, just gotten in your phone and started plugging in words? And That's I don't, it. I don't think we think about it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that if you're not in a world where people around you, that's what they do. They're kind of like live in research mode. You don't think about that. You're thinking right. about paying the bills, going to work, getting through the day. Kind of, you're still in survival mode. Mm-hmm. That's that's it and when you're at so that's like maslow's hierarchy right mm-hmm. so when you're when you're trying to take care of your basic needs mm-hmm. you're not thinking about oh i need to research you know whatever on youtube or and it's you know it's unfortunate that um that's kind of where people are but and and i understand it i get it you know and i think that's kind of one of the things i that led me to develop the the second ebook that i was working on or I am working on um which is what's your action plan because mm-hmm. I knew that like in those dark moments, I had to take action. Like even when I didn't want to, um, I had to put myself out there in uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. Going to, you know, the uh, networking event and meeting you, Debbie, mm-hmm. networking events can be very intimidating. And, and for me, I mean, just standing up and doing a 30 second commercial, you don't know how it's going to be received. Mm-hmm. But putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, um, taking that action is so important. Um like moving here a year ago. I didn't, we moved here with, we had two friends in the air and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like didn't know anybody else. Mm-hmm. So I had, I had no choice. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to get out there and take action. Going to the chamber, going to this and that, researching, you know, who around here is going to be a good community, a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to find those things and, you know, through serendipity or just, you know, just, great timing and and everybody all my spirit guides looking out for me as i know they are yeah Um, Yeah. you know that it all has fallen into place but really getting to that space of taking that action even when it feels hard yeah yeah and which is an interesting balance between the action-oriented male messaging versus sometimes the sitting and being in the heart, right? There is still this interesting balance. Um, But I've had uh, male friends of mine say, Kendall, on the inside, I'm just like a scared scared little boy. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, well, on the inside, I'm just a scared little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, But not every day. Mm -hmm. And, and, there is a time there's a space for that and there's also a space for action and there's mm-hmm. also a space for trusting that if I'll just show up something miraculous could happen right and can i say intentional yeah. intentional silence and intentional meditation is still action you yes. know so even yeah. sitting and being is an active thing that's a great point yeah that's a really good point yeah because yeah even me i think if i need to just be at home all day on the couch being in this grief Mm -hmm. which as an enneagram four i do (laughs) (laughs) 
that is an action. That's a choice I've made. Today, this is what I need, and this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then when that moment is over, it's a, it's a different choice. It's a different choice. That's very important. Mm-hmm. So, oh, can I recommend one more thing? Yes, please. I'm um, sorry. Uh, this app that I have loved, um, Insight Timer. Oh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that app. Mm-hmm. I use uh, that one too, yeah. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, thousands it, of free meditations, and you could yeah. do a guided meditation or visualization, or you could do, you know, unguided, just set the timer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, speaking about just sitting and, and intentionally, that I love it. Insight timer. And I love that you're bringing that up again because it's kind of a full circle moment of saying it's not that one of these things is going to save your life, right? Mm -hmm. It's that you begin to develop practices, practices and things that this little thing will take you into the other side of your brain that you're not using. This little Mm -hmm. thing will take you into your heart. This little thing will help you face a fear that you haven't been able to. And all those pieces Mm -hmm. accumulate. Mm -hmm. They build a muscle. Mm -hmm. Yep. So... Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) I'm doing like hand movements. I don't even know what they mean. (laughs) Um, If you hear the church bells across the street, that's because, you know, that's how we ring out the show. Is it noon? Is it already that? Yes, yes, yes. How did that happen? We went over a little bit. Sorry. I couldn't help it. I couldn't tell you what time it was because I couldn't let the conversation end. So, but this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing I'm seeing shows out of this show because I'm seeing that there's a conversation around um, the success the success um, lie is what I'm gonna call it. That there's a whole thing around that. Mm. I think there's a whole show around how to help men when life doesn't look like they thought it was gonna look like, and they're still hanging on to the past. Mm. How to teach them how to come into the present Mm -hmm. and reinvent and create the future that they, Mm -hmm. that is still available. Um, absolutely. I mean, what other shows do you think are sitting here? (laughs) A lot, (laughs) a lot. Yeah, no, I just, I'm ready. What you were just talking about. (laughs) I mean, providing hope because, because we always have choice. And when we get into those dark moments, we can't even see the choice. Mm -mm. Yeah. We can't even see the forest for the trees. (laughs) (laughs) we're dinging the bell because before the show started we looked up we love damon's last name silas we looked up the the meaning of silas which you had never looked up and what did it mean what did silas mean of the trees or the god of the trees in the woods you better write that down right right that's a whole branding thing right there um and there's also there's a show around sexuality you know as Mm -hmm. as as someone who, you know, I'm a recovering love addict and, um, and have dealt with sex addiction. And I think many men uh, have, and also, um, the LGBT community has its own, I think, set of issues that we would, would be important to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, we are going to hold your feet to the fire to be in continuing conversation with us. Uh, Even if you start your own podcast, which you are planning to do. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Yes. What are you calling that podcast? It's actually From Morning to Night, the podcast. Yeah. So it's based on my book, but it's just talking about um, other people. I'm going to focus on other people's losses and what they've done to take action through their loss. You know, really about giving people hope and inspiration. Okay. Okay. Um, 
we will come on your show because we got now. a story to tell. Come on now. <laughs> but then we will uh, ask you to come back on this show because I'm not willing, uh, none of, we are all not willing to let men slide through the cracks mm-hmm. because a strong feminist, which I will say that I am, uh, the, one of the things that we stand for is for men to be strong mm. in themselves. Mm. And men need the love and light and guidance um, of people like us to show them that that is uh, a real possibility Mm -hmm. and a real longing for them as well. And so I'm just not willing to let them fall through the cracks. Uh, There's too many beautiful men that... um, that are hurting in our country and we see mm-hmm. this with the violence and we see this with addiction and we see this with relationships that are, that are in turmoil and children that don't have fathers and um mm-hmm. and grown men that don't have uh fathers or mentors and it just it's an epidemic i think yep yeah don't let me take say the last word. What do you? What's on your mind, Deb? Before we close the show, <laughs> just just more beautiful healing available to so yeah. many. And um, I mean, I already have a list in my head of who to share this podcast with. I mean, very specifically mm. that I feel that it's going to be very helpful for. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, Damon, thank you so much for coming and sharing so beautifully and authentically with us. And we definitely want you back on this show. We love having you as part of our community and mm. um, really feel that you have thrown your hat into the ring. Yeah, you have. Yeah. So we, need, so we need to tell people before we check out, how do they find you? Because I heard you also say that you can do long distance work. Yes. So how can people yeah. find you to get help? Um, they can go on my website, which is Psychology. Dot com and that's Damon D A M O N S I L A S P S Y C H O L O G Y dot com. Did I spell that? You yeah. did. <laughs> Congratulations! Yeah. And then you can learn more about uh, his book at from morning to night. Um, there's a link on the website. Okay. To that Great. on Amazon. And uh, obviously, there's a link where they can email you and get your phone number and all yep. that. Yep. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you all so much. I can't wait to come back. You know I'm right around the corner. So. I know. We're going to be marching over there with right? sandwiches. Hey, what you doing today? <laughs> I guess I'm recording a, a podcast with you guys. <laughs> Y'all, thanks for joining us on the Spiritual Charlotte podcast. Um, coming up this month in October, just want to um, do a plug for a couple uh, men that are coming on the show. We're going to have Jerry Hancock, who does um, an inter- a national, it could be international, but a national organization called Men in Balance. Um, he's going to be um, bringing his wisdom on what that's all about. We're also going to have Thomas Orjada, um, who is a teacher of, about the Urantia book. And um, Thomas isn't going to so much be speaking to some of these types of things with men, but he is going to be a man coming on the show, a man coming on the show talking about um, spirituality from a very um, niche perspective. And then, um, other than that, I think we have one opening for a male 
um, guest at the end of the month. Actually, I think this show would, would take place on November 1. And so if you know a male um, in the Charlotte community who is making a difference in the lives of men or not in the Charlotte community, um, we would love to have them reach out to us. Our website is spiritualcharlotte.com. And there is a guest request form on there, and we look at every request that comes through. So I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.